0: Welcome, and thank you for listening to Trekker Talk, a fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair, from the pages of Trekker by writer and artist Ron Randall. I'm Darren.
1: And I'm Ruth, and we're here to talk about Kickstarter.
0: As all of you know, Ron Randall has already had two successful Kickstarter campaigns so far, but thankfully the adventures of Mercy St. Clair are not over yet.
1: That's right, the next adventure is titled Battlefields, and the Kickstarter launches on May 28th the day after Memorial Day here in the U.S.
0: And Ron Randall himself is here to talk about that upcoming Kickstarter campaign, as well as other topics.
2: Thank you, guys. It's great to be back with you again.
0: Well, we're very happy to have you. It's so exciting to uh, get a chance to talk with you anytime, but especially about more Trekker. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I hope you don't mind.
2: Sounds great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I've got to ask, now that you've had two successful Kickstarter campaigns,
2: how do you feel about that? Just thrilled. It's it's really um, it's a dream come true. As I mean, it's I, I, all I have to say about it is are, are the cliches that somebody says when they're just sort of so gratified because Trekker is my that's my dream project and when I to Kickstarter, it was because my goal is to, you know, the hashtag you know, more tracker, more often to get these stories out on a regular ongoing basis, because I think that's what serves the series the best. And it's certainly what I think is, is in the best interest of the readers getting the most value out of it. And it's what, what I want to do to make these stories hold together and build on each other with momentum and all that sort of stuff. But I launched that first campaign. I had no idea what, what the level of support was going to be. And I've just been thrilled at at the enthusiasm that people have shown and and the amount of support it, it it's gotten. It's just been incredibly gratifying.
0: Well, I know that from our point of view, it's easy to see how much fans have been excited because I know that for both of those campaigns, you you hit the initial goal early on in the campaign. You were able to hit multiple stretch goals. That's fantastic, and I certainly hope that'll be the same case this time. And I'm confident it will be as a Trekker fan. And I'm like you. I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm more than willing to be patient for good stories and Trekker's always a good story. And I've been patiently waiting for Trekker, you know, in the past, but it's nice to, to have Trekker coming out on a regular basis here, just, you know, every nine or 10 months, you know, we might have a new book. That's fantastic.
2: Well, thanks. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. That's the, that's the Schedule the target I would like to hit because I you know honestly honestly I know how much more Trekker I I see happening when I first began this series I I envisioned it as being one that would start with uh, with our young bounty hunter in one place you know in her life and the long journey is to take her through ups and downs of of an adventurous explosive life and that the stories would eventually take her to a different place in her life and I want to get to a good place where a lot of the a lot of the elements that have been planted in the the series and are being developed now get get to a good resolution. I'm not in a rush to get to the ending, but I don't want to meander either. I want to get there in a good pace that has, again, that has momentum and and the sense of build build all the stories. So, so that's the that's the goal. That's what that's what I'm here for.
0: <laughs> and that's fantastic. I have to compliment you, Ron, because I know having been someone who's read Trekker from the beginning, it's really interesting to see, you know. I know there have to be lots of things that are spontaneous in the stories, but at the same time, I can see how you've planned out some things because you know there are some things that get paid off many years later that you know I can see the beginnings of earlier in the series. And of course, now that it's coming out more regularly, uh, it, the timeline might be compressed, but you still see things coming out in later stories that you can look back and see where it initiated earlier in the stories. And I love that.
2: Well, well, thanks. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly right, and and you're right. Sometimes I'm playing a longer long game than than is reasonable because <laughs> because there have been interruptions in in my being able to get the books out for for one reason and another. But yeah, I've always I've always intended to the the story to have in one adventure or one volume or whatever certain things are introduced that aren't fully developed and brought to their you know resolution in that story. I I, I want there to be this interweaving sort of thread lines of characters and, and elements and plots. So that, you know, each book, of course, I want it to have be a and completely satisfying adventure. But but when you thread them all together, when you when you link them all together, that's when you see these these other stories interweaving and and something that's planted in this story a little ways down the road. That's when it really sort of, that's when it really blooms <laughs> or, or blossoms and and takes sort of like center stage or becomes a major element in the story. I I, I find those kind of stories, um, you know, fascinating to read myself. And you know, I'm I'm just trying to I'm trying to t- tell a story that I think would be a good one.
1: <laughs> well, let me say the early pages of Battlefields that you've shared on TrekkerComic.com are really exciting, and Mercy is in a lot of jeopardy on those pages. <laughs> what can you tell us about Battlefields without giving away any spoilers?
2: Well, let's see. For, for long-time readers, I guess, or people who are familiar with the series, they'll know that Mercy has begun to uncover th- things in her past that that are going to have a profound impact and are beginning to have a profound impact on her understanding of who she is as a person and and what her role uh, is meant to be in this, this violent, complicated world she's a part of. So she's digging for answers to get to the, the heart of that stuff. And, and as she continues to do that, she's going to be delving deeper into the core of the conflict between the powerful forces that that are shaping her world and vying for control of it. And not to put too fine a point on it, but her presence in that that world is not particularly welcomed by some pretty powerful forces at play. So the deeper that she goes on this journey the more deadly the journey will become. And that's where we, that's where we are in Battlefields. We're, we're, at, we're at the place where the stakes and the body count will be rising higher than ever. <laughs> As the title of Battlefields indicates, it's a war story, basically. And again, for readers that are familiar with Trekker, they, they probably understand or, or recognize that I, I, I sort of shift between one science fiction, science fiction sort of subgenre to another <laughs> from tale to tale. Uh, Chapeltown was sort of a sci-fi Western the story before that writes a passage had you know uh, she becomes a bodyguard for a young woman there's political intrigue there's a space forge and a crash landing so that's much more of a sort of space opera sort of tale I would say and so battlefields ha- has a somewhat of a di- different texture than the other stories too and again it's all because of the storyteller what's fun to do with your main character is to put them in a situation where they're off balance where they're they're out of the element and mercy of course is a very accomplished fighter she's used to violence she can handle herself well but to this point her 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 story has largely been about fighting you know you know tracking down one bad guy or sometimes a you know a group the big group of uh, fights happening gunplay and all that sort of stuff but this is different this is there are armies here there are armies that she is stuck in the middle between two fighting armies and uh that to me that that was attractive to me as a storyteller because it uh, again it's a way to try to raise the stakes on somebody who is obviously a, really good at <laughs> good at her job of jumping around and shooting things but uh, <laughs> putting her in a in a in a new environment that I think raises the stakes emotionally for the character and also gives myself and the readers a different a different path to travel on with Mersey for this story.
0: Yeah, I just love it. it and it's... I do I
2: I do have I'll say I do have. By the end of the story, I think there there will be a few jolts and surprises for the reader, uh, and I'm hoping that'll be a good um, a good emotional roller coaster for both Mercy and the reader to go on.
0: <laughs> Fabulous! I'm, I'm so excited about it. So and I know just the little bit you shared online so far. It's such a great teaser. So <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> and and I've got to say, I love the fact that Kickstarter has given you the opportunity to share these stories, and uh, I'm excited. You know, another one's coming, and and I wonder what you've learned from the prior Kickstarter campaigns that have helped you maybe plan for this next upcoming campaign?
2: Well, I've, I've learned so much and, and yet at the same time, I sort of feel like there's still so much more to learn. Now, maybe that's one of, one of the things I've learned is that Kickstarter is it's a vast and sort of changing animal so that you've got to be prepared to um, keep your eyes open and be prepared to try new things and see what, you know, and be responsive because a couple things I've learned is, as we talked about earlier, that there was a, a, a good size and very enthusiastic amount of support for for trekker and again to repeat myself it's it's just that was incredibly thrilling and gratifying to see and i i i learned early on i mean i knew going in that i wanted to have a good strong social media presence uh and 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 focus on sort of building the community of backers uh, i have taken to calling it the trekker community um because <laughs> because that's one thing that i learned about about this process is is with Kickstarter, what it the way it feels to me is I am I'm part of a team, <laughs> uh, the Trekker team that is myself and the backers of the campaign, are working together to make Trekker happen. I cannot do this by myself. I you know I I, uh, I need the the support of you know the 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 material support of backers and I also sort of need or at least really want their I want their audience. I want their eyes and their hearts <laughs> to to experience these stories with me. Um, it, it's the the sort of relationship that that has developed with myself and and the, the the readers has become much much more personal than it was when Trekker was being you know published by Dark Horse, for instance, which was a, it was a great experience, but but it didn't have that immediacy. It didn't have the, the communication flow and the interaction. There was a there was like a third party between myself and the, and the readers and and there's just so much more directness and uh, transparency. I'm not sure what the right way to describe it is, but that's been um, great to experience.
0: Oh, that's I'm glad to hear you say that because I know I'm excited too you know whenever I, I don't ever get to spend as much time on Facebook or Twitter as I would like to. but what's always nice is whenever I'm on there and I see you know someone else, like a John Baker or a Brian Mulvey, you know, chiming in and telling you what they thought of the latest page or the latest Mm -hmm. story or a commission. And you're right. It's, it's a wonderful community. It just popped in my head. I I was smiled at Ruth and I said, Oh, I envision another hashtag TLC (laughs) tracker loving community.
2: (laughs) That could work too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. It's, 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 it's just great. it's, It's great. And I also discovered on the Kickstarter and this really surprised me, how much I enjoy running the Kickstarter. Before I did it, I thought, "Oh, this is going to be me having to spend 30 days, you know, talking to people about my campaign." And you know, basically, the bottom line is you're asking for their support, you're asking for their money. And I did not get in this business to do any of that sort of stuff. But what I found out is that. It's just me talking about Trekker and trying to share my enthusiasm for Trekker, which I can do pretty genuinely, <laughs> as, as as your poor listeners are probably getting a pretty clear sense of right now. But so I, I've I've just really found out to my surprise how much I I enjoy that sort of the dialogue with with the with the uh, with the backers that I have throughout the campaign.
0: Fantastic,
1: that's great to hear. I like being on the team, and I <laughs> am happy to hear that you're enjoying getting to communicate that with people yeah well let me ask i was thinking about your previous campaigns and they had some special exclusives for early supporters and i Mm -hmm. wonder what you have planned for this campaign
2: well, I'm going to take a slightly different approach in some ways. As, as some some of the things are going to seem are going to be very familiar. I'm going to have a, a couple of small prints are going to be available. One that's going to go to every everybody who backs the campaign uh, at any physical reward level is going to get a, an exclusive little print that that a Kickstarter Kickstarter exclusive print. I'll have another one that will be available for backers that want to re, you know pledge at a slightly higher reward level than just the one that gets the book. And I've got I've got a few other uh, rewards. Uh, I don't want to have to sort of like reinvent the wheel on each campaign because it does take a fair amount of time to to prepare and build the campaigns and put them out there. But I think it's fun to have a couple of new rewards or stretch goals to shoot for. So I've thought uh, a sort of a, a recruitment style poster <laughs> as <laughs> a, as, a, as a reward to to add to this campaign uh, since it is a war story. It seemed like that would be, fit the um, fit the bill pretty well. Uh, there's also the possibility for stretch goals of uh, possibly uh, stickers and uh, maybe. A dust jacket that could be like a wraparound um, extra cover for the book. Nice. That would probably have no um, no copy on, no no trade dress, no titles, just a nice big image. So those would be stretch goals. What I I may not do with this campaign is have an an early rewards level. I've heard some some people that do campaigns think that that can sort of stratify backers into those who are you know in the know and get in at the very beginning, and then the other backers who you know, who, who don't get that. So I'm not sure about that one yet, but as I say, that's the thing about Kickstarter. There's they're very complicated. There's so many facets to them. You have lots of questions to ask and answer before you before you hit that launch button. So that's that's one of them.
1: <laughs> I enjoy seeing how you package things and what the stretch go- goals are as they unfold. It makes it exciting as somebody kind of watching on the sidelines to see what's going to happen next.
2: Well, good. That's you know that's the whole uh, that's the intent is to is to keep the backers sort of engaged and sort of rooting it on. And uh, I, one thing I will be asking for on this campaign, just to warn those of you who are considering backing, is that I'm going to be asking for for your help more than I have in the previous two, as far as helping to spread the word. And uh, mm-hmm. so as we are approaching stretch goals, I mean, it, it's I can't overstate how how much value there is in people, you know, commenting on 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 a Facebook post or sharing it or commenting on a tweet, because every time somebody interacts with one of one of the posts about Trekker, it ups its visibility it refreshes it on, on people's feeds and and all of that is is valuable for getting the getting the campaign in front of other eyes maybe people who have heard about Trekker before but it's just not been firmly enough on their their radar that they're you know they might want to support it or they've heard about it but it's slipped their mind <laughs> and uh, those reminders are, are are invaluable. That's, that's that's the only way I, I can think of to, to get new backers. So yeah, the stretch goals will be a, a, hopefully a way to help motivate people to be excited and share their excitement.
0: <laughs> I really like that idea, Ron. That, and that's again, another plus you have with the community that you're helping create through these, because I know what you mean. I, I don't get to be on social media as often as I would like to. And anytime I ever get on social media, I always know I've missed a ton of stuff because, right. you know, just the timing of When I'm on versus, you know, when somebody did a post. So even people who are my closest friends or people who do things that I'm most interested in, sometimes I have no idea about something that's going on. I actually had a conversation with someone today who Mentioned they were getting their Kickstarter reward from a project that I would have been really interested in, and I had no idea about it. And so, so there was a friend of mine who, you know, hadn't thought to mention that, and uh, you know, I hadn't heard about it anywhere else. So it's so easy to miss something like that. So I, I'm like you, you know, any opportunity somebody can retweet or share a Facebook post, or like you said, just comment on one, so it refreshes in the feed. It's, it's such a big plus, and I know as Someone who wants to see those interactions it, it's nice to me to know that somebody else is commenting on it because it brings it up at another time that I can see it and that's fantastic so I hope that's successful
2: well thanks yeah and I mean I um, I, I do as much heavy lifting as I can. I'm posting relentlessly about this campaign <laughs> this campaign for, thir- <laughs> for 30 straight days I actually that's advice I got from somebody who 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 consults with a lot of people about you know about how to crowdfund and she she sort of gave me a formula that included a lot of social media posting, and i I sort of grumbled about it when she suggested it to me. and I said she said, basically, I know this is going to be out of your comfort zone to to post that often and talk that much about your project." But this is this is how it's done. And um, so I did it on the first campaign because I said, well, like I say, I, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm going to take the advice of people who have experience and, and suppo- are supposed to know this stuff. And and it, it seemed to work. And I, in the second campaign, I had been like I said, i had been on Facebook pretty consistently for 30 straight days with several Facebook posts every day about my campaign. And on the last day, of a 30-day campaign, a friend of mine who is a professional cartoonist, a professional comic book artist, and is on Facebook fairly regularly and follows me, and I follow him, saw one of my posts and left a comment, "Oh, how come I'm only hearing about this campaign now?" <laughs> and and I, I sort of wanted to roll my eyes, and you know, the, the <laughs> mysterious the mysterious algorithms of Facebook and who it let who it let sees what when is you know way beyond me. Right. But but the, so my the only take home that i felt was practical for me to get from that experience was i just need to keep posting <laughs> that that frequently and 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 even that isn't going to be enough right so that's why the shares and the retweets is is just vital if we want to continue to grow the grow the trucker community the trucker loving community <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and it's funny now that you say that it's like you're aware of every single one of those posts that you do but you know, your followers probably only see a fraction of them. So you know mm-hmm. we w- the rest of us probably don't feel that it's
2: we're bombarded by it, but it probably just feels that way to you. <laughs> I, I certainly hope that's the case because I'm very self I, yes, I am very conscious, and I was going to say self-conscious of it, but not to the point that it stops me from doing it because, <laughs> but but you know i, I and, and the other thing I do is i I do, I will say i I do work very hard on on each one of those posts to. I'm never going through the motions and just cutting and pasting some some dry formula uh, phrase about, Oh, my campaign is up and running, it's a cool book, I hope you all support it. I, I really try to choose an image that, that hasn't been seen before, you know, a panel from the story or something, and then try to have the the, the copy around that image be something that relates to that image and Calls attention to the campaign, so uh, so it's kind of exhausting, <laughs> but I also find it a very sort of fun thing to sort of try to be playful with. So I, I'm I hope that my posts are entertaining enough that even if people do wind up seeing more of them over the course of a month than they might think they want to see, <laughs> that they will at least uh, they will at least uh, not be too annoyed by them. I try to have there be at least some some degree of, for lack of a better phrase, entertainment value in my <laughs> yeah, commercials. Yeah,
1: <laughs> good variety and they're well done.
2: Thanks,
0: thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, s- stretching beyond social media a little bit, I happen to know that in the middle of this campaign, you're going to be at Heroes Con. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you have anything special planned on how do you're going to attract new readers or new supporters while you're at a big event like that.
2: Uh, well, I do have a, a good size print of the, uh, of the cover from, from the new book, which, of course, you try to make the covers nice and eye-catching images, and, that's, and I used a local printer that just did a gorgeous job, I think, of printing that. So I hope to catch some eyeballs with that. And I have, I have some exclusive bookmarks. You've already seen like a, a prototype version of the bookmark that I had, but I'm now making up new bookmarks that feature the image from the cover on it that uh, I will be using and, and having to use as giveaways at the show that have information about the Kickstarter that will be up and running at the time and, and a p- way people can link directly to the campaign and find out information about it and decide if they want to promote it there. So Between that and just having a, as visible a Trekker present on my table display as I can, I'll I'll do that, and then I'm going to send off a lot of fireworks. No, I'm not. <laughs>
1: that. That'll be exciting. Bring one of those laser blasters. <laughs> there you go.
0: Yeah. Mercy's famous muzzle shots.
2: Though. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they wouldn't let me in there, <laughs> but uh, I'll do everything short of gunplay to get people to read Tracker there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's dedication. <laughs> Well, I've noticed that commissions are always a reward level in your campaigns, and I've mm-hmm. enjoyed seeing the variety of them when you share them online. And I wonder, are there any unique commission requests that you've done for these campaigns that you had not received in the past?
2: Yeah, it seems like every uh, almost every time I do a convention, and certainly with both of these two campaigns, uh, I get some commissions that are very surprising for me. Th- this last one, uh, one was uh, I got a commission for a character I had never heard of before. It, it was a... Uh, a, a golden age character, and his name is The Face. Fortunately, the uh, the guy who requested this commission sent along some you know some reference images, and said, "I've never heard of this guy. He was a he was a he was like a reporter, uh, a wartime reporter stationed on the Pacific Islands, and so he's there with the GIs, but he's just a reporter." But he also would put on this this mask that had like a sort of like a horrifying sort of gargoyle sort of image. Uh, it was just I mean back in the '40s, there were a million comic books and, and a million crazy characters that that have fallen into obscurity over the years, and he was one of the he was one of the most oddball ones that i've had. Uh, some, somebody else requested that I do the uh, the Walt Simonson version of Thor, and uh, that's an intimidating commission to be asked to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because because walt simonson you know but i was really happy that i i when i had that one done and i'd sent it out to the backer and then i posted the image online and walt saw it <laughs> uh. and 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 complimented me on it, which was very gratifying awesome um, yeah so so every campaign it's it's great to see what the uh what the commission requests are sometimes it's something you know familiar and and obviously very welcome and other times it's uh Quite a pleasant surprise. I've been asked to do uh, a Sergeant Rock commission. Then, of course, I, I, I should probably mention that I, I did the commission of the two of you. That was uh, requested by another friend, where yes.
1: <laughs>
2: where you Ooh. where you appeared as as your uh, as your trekker alter egos <laughs> on a cover that sort of harkened back to the old BBC avengers tv series and uh that was that was about as unique a commission as i've ever done and it was just a tremendous amount of fun oh wow
1: <laughs> we were stunned by that we couldn't believe it Ah.
0: We we weren't trying to fish for that as an answer, but we'll take that one
2: because <laughs> it was good, really spectacular. <laughs> well, it's a good it's a good uh, um, illustration, I think no pun intended, of of how of how wide ranging the the commission requests can be. Uh, you never know what you're going to feel. I did one of Doctor Doom. I, I don't think I don't think I'd ever drawn Doctor Doom before, and yes. somebody wanted a watercolor commission of Doctor Doom, and that was a blast. Anytime you get to try to enter into the the Jack Kirby world. It's just exhilarating. It's just like you know <laughs> that's real candy for a cartoonist to play around with that stuff. and of course i I, I wind up doing several several commissions of course of mercy over the uh, as I'm filling these things, and I never get tired of drawing that character, obviously.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's a good thing. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I know our friend uh, Professor Allen's ears just perked up as soon as he heard you mention Dr. Doom because he's a hero in his mind <laughs> <So>.
2: <laughs> well, there you go. Oh
0: gosh. So I, I've got to ask another question though while we're talking about your art because one of the things that amazes me about your art is just the way you're able to you're able to realistically capture characters in action and mm. battlefields is certainly providing a lot of opportunities for that and I just wonder how you approach those types of action sequences.
2: Well, I I, I have the benefit of having read a lot of comic books that are pretty action-oriented when I was a kid. So some of those images and, and bodies in dynamic motion are sort of impacted deep within my <laughs> my subconscious or whatever. And also I had the tremendous advantage of, of going to the Joe Kubert School and studying directly with Joe, who was such a master of, of that, of conveying figures in, in, in motion and in extremes of action and, and drama. And working with Joe, a lot of that sort of rubs off on you, which is good because my other primary artistic influences tend to be much more much more poised and balanced. People like, Graceful, I guess is another way to put it. People like Al Williamson and, and Wally Wood and, and Hal Foster, their characters tend to be much more sort of in control and, and in balance. And Joe's characters are jumping all over the place and with explosive action happening in them. And um, so my work tends to fall somewhere in between that spectrum, I guess. And Joe's always in the back of my mind wanting to push the dynamics when there is action happening so that's one that's one part of it and you know from the very beginning with trekker I've, I've i've been invested in trying to make it feel as as believable as realistic as as i can convey given that we're you know it's a science fiction story and sort of outlandish things are happening so making a, making the characters move in ways where they feel um they feel solid and three-dimensional and also are moving through three-dimensional space it's it just it seems like it's it's such an important aspect to try to to maintain that believability that that realism, for lack of a better word, that is just as important to have in the flamboyant action sequences as it is when someone is just like walking into a room and sitting down in a chair, <laughs> and and that that sense of believability, you know, is important enough to me that I just I just work as hard as I can to make it happen. Uh, so I guess that's that's the bottom line is. is it's like with everything else, I I, I want to make the stories. I want to I want to put my story across to you, reader. And anything I do in my story that that strikes a false note that that's i don't think that figure looks right or wouldn't that person be running faster those are the sort of questions i ask myself i just try to immerse myself in the situation of the character in the story and you know sort of in my brain i'm trying to act it out myself and and see how would that person move how would that person be gesturing or pose to really convey as much about this scene as possible it's all about storytelling so there that's
0: that's a long answer for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, but what a great answer, and so many different references where uh, you have picked that up. It's fa- fantastic.
1: For those who missed out on the two previous Kickstarter campaigns, you have an Etsy store where you sell copies of both Chapeltown Town and the Dark Star Zephyr mm-hmm. and other items. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about your Etsy store and why fans should visit.
2: Well, um, yes, I do have an Etsy store, and you've summed it up very well. Uh, besides those two books, I have uh, some, some prints of, of Trekker and uh, a couple of other books that I've done in the past for other publishers, for DC and Dark Horse. And I also have several pages of my original art there. The The primary purpose of the Etsy store is, if if I'm not able to cross paths with some some fan at, at one of the conventions that I do, this is the best way that they have to, to get a hold of... of Things that I otherwise only get to to um, make available at convention appearances. Between that and again, for as you said, for people that don't find out about one of the kicks, like Darren was just this, describing a, a Kickstarter campaign he would love to have backed and didn't hear about it, and that happens. So since the Kickstarter tracker books aren't available in bookstores, I want them available to readers who didn't find the first campaign or the second campaign now. So it's I want to have those available, and that's that's the primary. Those are the two primary reasons that I have the Etsy store there. It's a great way to for, for me to have some of my work available. And uh, I try to fulfill those orders very quickly.
0: And you do. We've ordered, (laughs) we know. (laughs) So I know in addition to your Etsy store, you also continue to post a new page of Trekker early every week on your Patreon site. Mm -hmm. And I know I love those posts because they include everything from the development of the art, from your thumbnails all the way through the finished page. And you also do a write-up about the process you go through for each page. And I just wonder what it's like for you to put those posts together each week.
2: I find it really interesting to, to do them because sometimes as I'm deciding what to say about, you know, the, the the process of working on the pencils on this page or the thumbnails or whatever it is, I will sort of bring to my conscious mind, because I have to articulate it as I'm writing about it, what up to that point might have been by this point sort of just unconscious choices that I've made uh, about about how to design a page or how to block out a sequence of action because I've been doing comics for quite a while now and I have definitely I I definitely had the experience sometimes when I'm when I'm doing something that I know that at this point I just immediately reject a certain number of possible say uh, panel layouts for a panel because I've had past experience to know that that's a that's a dead end that path isn't going to work out so I don't do that. I just, I just go on to making a choice that I know will work. And a lot of that sort of thinking happens pretty quickly without my even almost being consciously <laughs> aware of it. Um, and then this comes down to all sorts of the little choices, the, the, the millions of choices you make when when I'm doing my thumbnails, when I'm doing the penciling, the inking and the coloring. So it's, it's, it's sort of instructive for me <laughs> in a way to go back and have to, have to revisit and slow down my thinking and articulate some of the some of the steps that I've made along the way. Uh, and it's also fun to be able to occasionally um, comment on a page and what the significance of this page has within the context of the story that it's it's telling. I try to be very careful when I do that to, to not give away spoilers. You and I, Darren, have discussed mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how much we both like to avoid either giving or receiving spoilers. So uh, I try really hard on the Patreon pages to Sort of let the patrons in on a lot of my creative process, but draw the line at not wanting to spill the beans for anything for them there.
1: (laughs) I find it fascinating to see how the pages are constructed and the thoughts that go into them. And I know if I were trying to become, you know, a comic book artist writer myself, I would look to these as instructional material because there's just so much detail and depth and insights on those pages that I think they're valuable
2: well, thanks. I, I really um, it, when I when I built it the when I built the Patreon site and uh, was trying to figure out what content to post there, I knew I didn't have the the time available because I'm spending so much of my time doing the comic book and <laughs> running Kickstarters and everything else that I couldn't offer a whole lot of like physical extra rewards. Some people have Patreon accounts and they for their backers they send out postcards or they, they're just pretty interactive on it and. But I figured one thing I can do is is just this post these pages with hopefully some information that people will find interesting and and as you say if if, if someone's trying to learn more about the craft of uh, of becoming a, a, a comic maker uh, hopefully some of the things that I say they might might help to give them a couple of things to focus on and take some steps forward in their own pursuits. But if not, I, I just know that myself uh, I, I dabble in. In playing music for instance so it's it's fascinating for me to listen to musicians talking or interviews with musicians and the craft of making writing a song or recording with other musicians or just performing with other musicians and it's it's I, I find it really interesting to take some peeks behind the curtain into the creative process of things that I'm interested in even if I may not aspire to be a professional you know, performing musician it just deepens my insight and understanding of of the music that I that i enjoy listening to so i i'm, I'm hoping that 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 we that the reader comic readers and readers of trekker in particular might might just find that the patreon post helped make it a richer experience to, to read and experience the stories knowing a little bit more about what goes into the making of them
1: i think that's the case
2: definitely <laughs> well, good <laughs> definitely
1: and i know there's several neat things that have happened since the last time we spoke that I'd like to ask you about. And for example, you were involved in the Netflix TV series "Best Worst Weekend Ever," <laughs> and I'd like you to tell us how you got involved. And for those who haven't seen it, tell us what you did for the show and what it was like working on it.
2: Okay, sure. That job came to me. Be- so normally, when you're when there are art needs for a, a series like that, there are there is a. a a guild of artists down there in Hollywood that that are usually called upon to to do that sort of work for for most of the shows, production work and set design stuff, I guess. In this case, they were specifically doing doing a story that was going to be really centered around a fictional (laughs) comic book from a fictional comic book creator and company. And they wanted to have a certain look and style and presentation. And what I was told is that the the available artists down there didn't have the particular skills that they were looking for. So they initially reached out to Dark Horse as a source of comic book artists, you know, connections. And eventually Dark Horse got a hold of me thinking that my my art style and approach might be something that could fit with this project. I'd done some other work through the Dark Horse marketing departments for, for like a, a, a couple of other promotional posters for different companies here. So they they sort of knew I could, could field this kind of job occasionally. So I, I was working... Through the connection was made through Dark Horse, but eventually I wound up working directly with the Netflix people who were producing this show. which the the capsule of it is, it's a a group of young young people are fans of this comic book that that was created by one I guess brilliant comic book creator who left the story hanging, no no conclusion. So they they various hijinks ensue as they try to come up with a way to to meet this guy and persuade him to let them tell the rest of the story. So because of that concept, they needed to have some elements in the show that would have been sort of artifacts from that from that comic series. They needed to have some physical comic books and posters on the wall and merchandise things. Uh, one of the main characters wears a T-shirt with this comic character on it. So they needed an artist that would draw stuff in those styles that could be shown on on, on screen and so that's what I did I did drawings that were turned into a t-shirt and several pages of a comic book so they could mock up a comic book that the kids could be paging through and uh, cover images from different stories and things like that so it was a lot of fun getting to sort of sort of uh, retroactively create a series from years gone by
1: <laughs> it was fascinating to watch and to spot your art as we were watching the show it's like oh look at that t-shirt oh look at that it
2: was just a <laughs> it was, lot a, of fun. It was a, it was a little bit disorienting for me too. To, to watch it, Well that's my drawing, all right. Why is it on T V? You
1: know <laughs> 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 And we would freeze frame sometimes to uh Take a closer look, and there was one thing I noticed when they were showing one of the comic books, that they had your name listed as Editor-in-Chief, and I just love that. <laughs>
2: that's right. I think that was, that was uh, I think, the producer's idea, and they ran it by me and, and said, you know, we want to give you credit. And I said, that's fine. Sounds fine to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was fun we We enjoyed watching the show, uh, and of course, we watched it because you were involved so it was mm-hmm. we got our uh, free month Netflix subscription and <laughs> it was first on our list
2: <laughs> <laughs> well I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. it was it was a lot of fun yeah it was, it was a quite a quite a departure from the the world I create with trekker but uh, it was a nice side trip.
0: well, I know another side trip you took was with a fun comic called Sasquatch Detective. So tell us <laughs> how you got involved in that.
2: <laughs> yes, that was another one that that came to me uh, out out of out of the blue, out of left field. Let me be a bad way to put it. I was approached by an editor, Marie Javins, at DC Comics. I'd worked with Marie a few times in the past on uh, a couple of Catwoman stories a few years ago, and she was also the editor on the um, the Future Quest book that DC put out that I got to. To climb on and be part of that really fun revisiting of Johnny Quest and space, Ghost and the Hercules, all those Hanna Barbera characters. So that was really fun. And then she got a hold of me with an invitation to to to, to work on this Sasquatch detective comic, which I hadn't done anything quite like this before. Uh, she, it's a character that had already been created; it had appeared in some backup stories in their uh, Snagglepuss comic book. So it was already, you know, sort of locked in as a property. And uh, they wanted somebody to draw a, a lead feature in what was going to be a collection where they were going to collect all the, the those other short stories and put out a, a standalone volume of The Sasquatch Detective. And I looked at the designs for this character, which are very sort of very cartoony. It's, it's a, it's, she's a young Sasquatch who becomes a member of the Los Angeles Police Force. And I responded back to Marie and I and I said, this looks very fun. It's not exactly in my wheelhouse, you know. I mean, it's not exactly what I— what I do? She, oh, I think you do a great job on this. She said so. Um, she Maybe she knew something that I didn't. But uh, so I did some some of, you know, designs, my version of the character, uh, my my uh, trying to get in the ballpark of what I thought that they were after. And I sent those in and we had some back and forth between her and me and the um, the writer who created it, Brandy Stillwell, And um, very, very quickly, I was thrilled to see we got to a place where Brandy uh, was happy with the designs I'd come up with. They seemed like they were right in the ballpark of what they were looking for. And I had, I gotta say, that I had A blast! It was such a joy to work on this story. It was it was very heartfelt. There were some genuinely funny moments in it, and some good good energetic uh, bits of action where you can play a little bit more slapsticky with these sort of characters than I than I would with Trekker. And I just I just felt that the story had a lot of charm, and I tried to get some of that across in the art. So um, that's one of the great things about a career like this, where I have had a chance to work on on a variety of different stories with different looks and tones. An approach is called for, and uh, it keeps things interesting. And I'm I'm often pleasantly surprised to discover another avenue to explore that's a lot of fun. And Sasquatch Detective was definitely one of those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was really good fun. I, it's not a book I would have picked up otherwise, but uh, your name was on it, and I picked it up, and I was so happy that I did. It was great fun, just like you said.
2: No thanks. Uh, I think the thing that uh, going going back to my time at the Joe Kubert School, I think the thing that serves me the best maybe of all the things that that Joe and and the other instructors at the school uh, were trying to you know drill into our heads <laughs> was was a passion for for storytelling for 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 making a story work on the comic page because you know, no matter what kind of story, I've, whether I've done a war story or, a, you know, a Swamp Thing story or superheroes or Trekker or Sasquatch detective, the, the, the job is to take a script and make that story come alive on a comics page. And that job is never anything short of fascinating and completely involving. So I, I, I've, uh, I feel really fortunate that I've, that, that value, that, that sort of goal that ultimate goal uh, was sort of communicated to me so early on. It's kept every job fun. <laughs> Excellent.
1: Valuable lesson. Yeah. And I remember you did some international travel, which included visiting a comic shop in Dublin. I'm yes. curious to hear more about that trip.
2: <laughs> that was such a great, a great time. I owe it to my, to my son, who found really affordable prices for for my wife lynn and i to travel over to to ireland i've always i've always wanted to go to ireland I'm, i've always been fascinated by so much about about ireland and irish culture and and he he knew that and so when he when he saw a deal come up he he gave me the heads up about it so thank you eric lynn and i got to go over and spent a wonderful time largely in dublin we also got to travel to the north up to belfast for for a day and we also got over to Edinburgh for a couple of days and got to knock around a little bit of Scotland too and I just I, I can't say enough about how much I loved every minute of that trip and uh, the the comic shop that we went to in Dublin Dublin City Comics is a wonderful store run by some great guys and thanks to you I'm pretty sure a couple of great Trekker fans showed up at the, at that signing and uh, it was delightful to see Paul and and Austin at that event and then uh, we all got to in, in the in the in the most quintessential Dublin moment of the entire trip I think after the signing ended up the the four of us uh, my wife and I and Paul and Austin uh, walked a couple of blocks over to uh, to Paul's favorite pub in in Dublin and we had a pint and listened to some some nice local music it was it was just a, a tremendous experience from beginning to end and another Trekker-related bit of that trip was that another Trekker fan who I had made contact with through the the Kickstarter, again, another illustration of this Trekker community we were just talking about, lives up in Belfast. And uh, I had mentioned, I saw that, and I happened to mention him through the Kickstarter. My wife and I are going to be lucky enough to get over to, to your country uh, in, a, in a few months' time. And I was initially asking him for... You know, suggestions for what we should see and do when we're over there, and he wound up offering. He said, "If you can get up to to the north, you up to Belfast. I can take you out to the Giants Causeway, which you, Darren and Ruth, had had already recommended that Lynn and I go to visit." And uh, thanks to a great trekker fan, Bernard, he he picked us up and was our host for a day up in Belfast and drove us around to see some of the gorgeous Northern Irish uh, scenery and the shoreline up there. And so it was a it was a great trekker enriched trip to ireland
1: (laughs) 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 love hearing about that yeah
0: it was great seeing all the photos online too
2: (laughs) yes that's one of the wonders of living in this in in the current day and age isn't it where we can we can share those 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 journeys those adventures with with our friends online
0: yeah it is it is wonderful and it was wonderful seeing all those photos well I, i know before we wrap up we need to turn our attention though back to trekker so mm. that you can remind everyone about the upcoming Kickstarter and the details and when and where they can be looking.
2: All right, well, thank you for that. Yes, so the I, I made it the most the most straightforward URL address that I could come up with. so if you if you want to check out the Kickstarter, it's trekkerkickstarter.com. dot <laughs> com and um, the campaign runs from may twenty eighth to june twenty seventh I've tried to build as Fun and exciting a campaign as possible to to mirror the book that is as fun and exciting as I can make the book. And uh, I, I do want to encourage people, if you are interested to please, if you can check it out and consider backing it on the first day or two. That's another thing that I've learned about Kickstarters is that the early support is really, really important for increasing the chances of the campaign's overall success. When, when, when a campaign starts strong, Kickstarter itself does more to promote the the campaign and raise its visibility, which also increases its chances of success. And when people see other people backing a campaign, they're more likely to back it themselves. That's just human nature. So I hope you'll check it out and hopefully find something there that inspires you to (laughs) want to get on board. (laughs) That'll be be, easy for us. Yeah, we'll be there. (laughs) No doubt. I'm I'm happy to hear that.
1: Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time to speak with us. And I wonder, is there just anything else you'd like to say to your fans before you go?
2: Gee, other than once again, to, to let every everyone who, who follows Trekker know how deeply <laughs> I appreciate the fact that, that they have given their support to me and my my project. I, I created Trekker many years ago just wanting to tell a story that I really wanted to, to create. And uh, every time I... I make a connection with a new reader, it's it's just incredibly gratifying. And it just makes me that much more inspired to to keep telling these stories and, and expanding the richness of this world and the, the depths of the characters as much as I possibly can. It's, it's, it's the thrill of a lifetime to be able to do a project like this and have it make connections with readers. So thank you all for finding and supporting trecker uh,
0: That's a perfect way to end it. And thank you, Ron, for joining us here and chatting with us. We
2: always appreciate your time and Have a wonderful day. Thanks very much. You guys are great. I love your show and look forward to speaking with you and seeing you again as soon as possible.
1: Sounds good. (laughs) Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.
0: Next up is Trekker Transmissions, where we share the listener feedback we've received since last time.
1: Your feedback adds so much to the show. So a big thank you to everyone who took the time to write or get in touch through social media.
0: We are very excited about the efforts of many comics fans who are rallying to promote the new Kickstarter. I know Ron Randall appreciates everyone's support.
1: And now let's move on to feedback from our last episode.
0: John Baker of 3 If by Space wrote, I've gone through the entire Chapel Town book and want to emphasize the high-quality work this truly is. Stories, art, colors, and all those wonderful nuances Ron filters in that add to the ambiance. In short, it's good stuff. A lot of fun surprises. The cover is outstanding and the color inside and contrasts, artistry, are splendid. It's quite a work.
1: Just got through the episode and love the rundown of Chapeltown Town without giving up the spoilers. As always, your passion for the work of Ron Randall is refreshing and uplifting. With the book in hand, your commentary adds a little extra sizzle to my journey through the work. Thanks for your commitment and time in doing the podcast. It does Ron's work great justice.
0: Thanks for your insights, John, and especially for pointing out that we avoided spoilers. We intentionally want to stay a little behind the publication of the books before we review them, because we want everyone to get a chance to read and enjoy the books as Ron intended. However, now that it's been out a while, we'll be starting our in-depth coverage of Chapeltown with our next episode.
1: Chris Carnes of Bat Books for Beginners and the Professor Frenzy Show commented, Great episode! I have my copy, and it's so cool to see some familiar faces inside. Thank you, Chris!
0: When Austin Appleby discovered our podcast, he spent some time catching up. He was kind to share some thoughts along the way, and we really appreciate that. And we laughed one day when he wrote to say, I've broken my rule of listening to only one episode a day. Listening to the adventures of Mercy St. Clair has been one roller coaster of a ride. I really enjoyed the four-part story titled Sins of the Father. I'm really looking forward to seeing where her adventures lead.
1: And later, Austin wrote again to share that he had completed the Trekker Omnibus. He said, I already knew what was going to happen through your great podcast but it didn't make it any easier reading what happens to Paul in Trial by Fire. I wish they could have added another story afterwards since that one was so hard-hitting.
0: And when he got to episode 31, the Chapel Town Preview, Austin wrote, I really do want to listen to it badly, but I also want to read the story first. Now that I feel caught up, I want to let the story surprise me as I read along. We're so glad you enjoyed it all so much, Austin, and thanks for sharing your stories as you went along.
1: Swagcat Aaron came up with a great question. He emailed Ron Randall to ask about the name Rigel and shared this reply that he received from Ron. I felt Rigel sounded nice and remote and sci-fi and made a fitting name for an organization out in the stars when I first began the series. Now, as Mercy's travels take her further afield, Rigel is becoming less mysterious and remote, which was the plan from the start. Thanks for sharing Ron's answer, Aaron.
0: Kirk Spencer is a big fan of Ron Randall's Trekker as well as his work on Sergeant Rock. So, we were delighted when he shared photos of the amazing Sergeant Rock commission he got from Ron. Sergeant Rock was some of Ron's earliest published work when he was studying with Joe Kubert.
1: Ron Randall shared online that he was proud to be included in a top 10 list over at the On Comics Ground website, and he was astonished to see Trekker on the list with Wonder Woman, Catwoman, Strangers in Paradise, and more. Thank you, Shoot the Breeze Comics.
0: We'll include a link to the article in the show notes. It has great information about Trekker and some terrific images to go along with the article.
1: And we'll close this section with a new review at Apple Podcasts from Cameron Looney, who said, I am totally loving this podcast. Ruth and Darren are always entertaining. This comic has a cowboy bebop vibe that draws you into this sci-fi action drama. Thank you so much for introducing me to this book. Why isn't this at least on TV?
0: Thanks so much for taking the time to write, Cameron. We're also fans of Cowboy Bebop and definitely agree with you on the similar vibe. And we're right there with you on wanting to see Trekker on TV, too.
1: We want to extend our Trekker thanks to everyone who supported us on social media since last episode. These are people who liked or shared posts from us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we sincerely appreciate all of your support.
0: Before we start, let me say if we miss a name, please let us know and we'll correct that in the next episode. And also forgive us if we mispronounce your name. Just email us and let us know and we'll correct that next time as well.
1: Aaron Henley, Austin Appleby, Brad Guthrie, Brian Mulvey, Chris Carnes of Bat Books for Beginners and the Professor Frenzy Show, Clinton Robson of the Coffee and Comics blog and podcast, Comics in the Golden Age with Mike and Chris, Creator Talks with Christopher Calloway, Cullen Stapleton from the Worst Comics Podcast Ever, Dr. G, Man of Nerdology, of the Pulp to Pixel podcast, Edible podcast, Jerry Green of the Professor Frenzy Show and the Bat Books for Beginners, Green Lantern H.G., Irene Mills, James Longstreth, Joe Crawford of the blog for the non-discerning reader, John Baker, who does the sci-fi TV reviews at 3 of by Space, Karen Williams of the Sweet Between the Pages blog, Katie Artistry, the artist from After the Shifting, Carrie Crenson,
0: Lance Barnett, Mark Sweeney from the ITG blog and podcast and comics couplets, Ilm Q, Nerdfic Strangers, Nicholas Prom of Comic Reflections, Artist Pablo Ventura, The Parley Pod Network, Paul Hicks of Waiting for Doom and DC OCD, Professor Allen of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, Randy Andrews of Soundtrack Alley and the Gen 13 Files, Reggie Hancock of the Cosmic Treadmill Podcast and Weird Science DC. Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast with Al Sedano, Ron and Lynn Randall, Sherlock28, Spoiler Country, Swagcat Aaron, Talk Nerdy to Me, Tim Price, Timothy G. Kramer of the Provocative Praise Blog, Vic Sage of the Retroist and host of the Radio Memories podcast, and Warren Montgomery of Will Lil Comics.
1: Thank you all, and we'll be right back after we play a couple of promos for other podcasts that you might enjoy.
3: Hello, Paul. Hello. I am Dr. Staffner. Come in. T- come in, please. Take a seat. Take a seat. What can I do for you today? Oh, I just, i just, I'm, I can't sleep. I, 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 can't focus on anything. The only thing I can think about is like DC events. A DC event, as in the comic books, DC events. Yes, yes, the comic book events. Oh, interesting! Uh, are we we talking things like Crisis on Infinite Earths? Yeah, yeah, totally that one. Yeah. Uh, infinite Crisis. Yeah, yeah, that one too. Oh, very, very invasion, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the uh, the Genesis. Uh, not so much. No. Oh, okay. okay. Well, I think it's really good if you talk about the things that are troubling you in your life, so maybe you should do a podcast about this obsession. What, what, what do you call this obsession? What do you think it is? I think you're a unique case. I've not seen anything like this before in my office. I'm going to suggest that you have what we call DC OCD. What? DC OCD. You are obsessive and compulsive about your DC events. I think you should talk. Get out, get it out of your system. via a podcast? I will help you, my friend. We shall do a podcast together about your DC or CD. Oh, okay. When I won't even start? charge you for it. <laughs> awesome. I don't think I can claim you on <laughs> benefits. <clears throat> yeah, it's good. <laughs> when shall we start? Um, I'll get back to you on that. I'll check my. I'll check my timetable.
0: Hello, I'm Jerry. And I'm Chris. We are the hosts of the podcast Bat Books for Beginners. We both love Batman comics. And we like other comics too. Comics that don't get the attention that the Cape Crusader gets.
2: We want to bring attention to our favorite indie and small publisher comics.
0: Some of it will be weird, some of it will be wild.
2: But great storytelling can come from anywhere.
0: So, we started a brand new podcast, The Professor Frenzy Show. On The Professor Frenzy Show, we will share some of our favorite indie comic books with you. Search for us on iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere podcasts are found.
2: We hope you will search, subscribe, download, listen, and join in on the fun.
3: Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy Show.
1: Before we go, we want to provide our contact information please let us know your thoughts through email, Facebook, or Twitter.
0: If you want to contact us directly or have something you would like to have read on the show, then please send an email to trekkertalk at gmail.com.
1: You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using the name Trekker Talk, and you can visit our website for links to all of our social media pages.
0: And that web address is
1: trekkertalk.com. Thank you, Charlotte and Catherine of the Excellent Marks Mess Podcast for that clip.
0: You can listen to our show through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts, and all of our episodes are always available at trekkertalk.com and at radadventuresnetwork.com.
1: You can also find the show on YouTube as part of the Rad Adventures Network. That's Rad, R-A-D, which is short for Ruth and Darren.
0: On the Rad Adventures YouTube channel, you'll find all of the episodes of all of our podcasts, including Trekker Talk, as well as Xenozoic Xenophiles about the Cadillacs and Dinosaur series Xenozoic Tales by Mark Schultz, and Warlord Worlds about the comic creations of Mike Grell, including the Warlord, John Sable, and Green Arrow.
1: If you like the show, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Every review helps the podcast be more likely to show up in search results. And on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe to the channel and give some likes on the videos.
0: Remember, at TrekkerComic.com, you'll find a new page of material every Monday, as well as links to all of the ways you can find Ron Randall.
1: Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll come back next time for another new episode of Trekker Talk.
0: Trekker Talk is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. For more information, visit comicspodcast.com. We are not affiliated with Dark Horse Comics or Ron Randall. The views expressed on the show are solely ours. Music is taken from the album Royalty Free Music, Movies and Videos from the Royalty Free Music Club. We make no money from this podcast and no copyright infringement is intended.